Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We have seen things looking up. If you look at the end of chapter two for a second, remember we did a little Rocky music. How many of you remember the Rocky music? And and back uh, was coming Ruth now, and she she had got she had gleaned some stuff. Actually, it had been a real blessing. And and here's the end of chapter two. It says, and so she stayed close by the maids of Boaz two twenty three. In order to glean until the end of the barley harvest, we're talking about springtime now, and the wheat harvest around the time of Pentecost, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So there they are. She has the opportunity to continue to glean, and things are looking up. We move into chapter 3. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, that is Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security? If you have the ESV, it's rest. If you have the NIV, it's a home. Shall I not seek for you rest or a home for you, that it may be well with you? If you have an NIV, it says, where you will be provided for. Now Naomi says, okay, we've, there's been a great turn of events here, but now I really would like for you to find a place of rest. Home is a place of rest. I was listening to Ravi Zacharias this morning, and um, he was talking about the death of his mother that she died at 57. And he said it was very difficult for him. And he kept saying, she's gone. And he kept saying, you know, the, uh, his father had asked him to speak at the service. And he said, I don't know if I can do that. She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. And finally, the Lord impressed upon Ravi's heart, gone where? You need to add a word to she's gone. Gone where? You see, the Bible says to be absent from the body, this is the literal language, is to be at home with the Lord. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. Jesus is preparing a place for his bride. That's what you are. He is, pre he is preparing a home for you. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. I said something, you know, I stole it from somebody else. I've been hearing it bounce around the church. Church, I said it, I think, Wednesday night or the one before. I said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Just think about that for a second. It'll, it'll sink in. Look, none of us are trying to rush our exit from this planet, but we all know, unless Jesus comes in our lifetime, the way we're going to end up in heaven is through death. And so she says, I want you to find rest now. You're a young woman, and you know you and I could maybe hang out for the next decade, but this is not the best of all scenarios. I want to find a home for you. I want you to have a husband. Originally, when we saw the first part of this story in chapter one, uh, Naomi was so beat up by the devastation and loss, and they were in the land of Moab, that she told her two daughters to stay there. In essence, she said, you'll have an easier time finding a husband here than you will if you go with me. I'm not exactly swimming in the blessings if you haven't noticed. And so Orpah, literally her name means to turn the neck, left. She went back to Moab. She went back to the things that she was used to, the comfortable things, and back to the gods of her people, which was Chemosh and others, which were pagan gods. But Ruth said, no, I'm going with you. Where you live, I'm going to live. Where you die, I'm going to die. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. 
A beautiful statement of faith. And now as the story unfolds, we see that rest is around the corner. Sometimes when we come to Jesus Christ, you know, we get the idea that uh, life is just going to be easy street. And sometimes we hear preachers say, just come to Jesus and pretty much all your problems are going to be solved. And then some of you have come to Jesus and you had more problems than you've ever had before. And you're like, hey, was there some fine print I didn't read here? What, what exactly is going on? Well, what's going on is we're in a battle. The enemy wants to keep you distracted from true rest. But the battle belongs to the Lord. And now these women, you know, they've gone through difficulty and struggle. The word rest, look at verse 1, is a Hebrew word which means a condition of rest or a place of rest. Have you found a place of rest? Are you resting in Jesus Christ? The Bible has two big themes for rest. The rest of creation, when God was finished creating, he what? He rested on the seventh day. And he sanctified that day. And the second rest that the Bible teaches is the rest of redemption. There's the rest of creation. God was finished with what he made and he saw everything was good and he rested on the seventh day. And the rest of redemption is now what is offered to the people of God. Redemption is now complete in the sense that your sins been paid for and now we can enter into the finished work of Christ and rest. You don't have to strive to be saved Salvation is a gift from God, amen? We, but we do have to do something, and that is to enter into his rest. And so here is Naomi with a heart for um, her daughter-in-law, and, and here's what it is. She says, I want to find a place of rest for you. I think all of us as parents, you know, we, when we think about our kids, we want them to find a place where they're at peace, we want them to find a home and a security when they're at peace. And in the ancient world, parents were very much involved in arranging marriages. How many of you think that should return? All the parents raised up their hands. All the young people are like, no, oh, no. No, 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 no. But this is what she's basically saying. I want you to find that place of rest. I want you to find a good man. I want you to find a home. In Revelation 5, we were looking at this great scene in heaven where Jesus is depicted as a lamb as if slain but standing and John sees him and the scroll is in the right hand of him who sat on the throne and the scroll represents the title deed and when there's a universal search done for someone to open the scroll, look into it and break its seals, no one's found in heaven and earth and under the earth and John begins to cry. He begins to weep. And one of the elders comes up to him and says, stop weeping, John. The lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome to open the scroll and to break its seals. And I mentioned to the crowd on, on Wednesday night, you may want to go back and look at this message, that our redemption is already, this is what theologians categorize it, it's already but not yet. We are saved. There's nothing that we can add to the finished work of Christ, but there's a not yet sense of our redemption, that is, we have not experienced the redemption of our bodies yet. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. This planet has not experienced its final redemption. It's going to be made new as well. This planet, personified in Romans 8, knows that when the sons of God are revealed in resurrection, it is going to get its makeover too. And so there's a not yetness, if you will, 
to our redemption. We are saved, but God hasn't done everything that he's going to do yet, but he's going to. And this is where these ladies find themselves. There's a promise. There's this great man named Boaz. Mother-in-law has said to Ruth, you've hit the jackpot. He's a family member. He's rich. <laughs> Ricardo Montalban is what many people think he looks like, at least a few. Right? Good-looking, strapping, right mixture of gray in with the dark hair. No products back in the day, so it had to be natural. Right? And all of a sudden, things are looking up. And so what are these two ladies to do? Well, Ruth takes the initiative, or excuse me, Naomi takes the initiative. Ruth did in chapter 2 by going out to glean. But now Naomi says, now is, it, is not Boaz, verse 2, chapter 3, our kinsman, with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. You could see it in her eyes. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. <laughs> right? I know where he's going to be tonight. This is the famous Jewish mom. I've got a wonderful plan for your life. All you got to do is listen and execute it and obey. I know where he's going to be at the threshing floor tonight. Now, a little time has gone by, and all of a sudden, the scene shifts to this threshing floor. You might ask the question, what is a threshing floor? Man, I live in Corona. I don't know anything about threshing. Well, the threshing floor was a place where they would take the grain after they had harvested the grain, and they would lay it on the ground, and they, they would often have this threshing floor up on a hill, and they would take animals or some sort of combination of animals with instruments and uh, when you read on the threshing floor, they say that they would take animals or they would take hammers, but more likely animals, and they would have a combination of something that would scrape itself over the grain, and it would begin to break up the grain, almost uh, separating the wheat from the chaff kind of thing. We'll talk about winnowing in a second. And some say that they, they would put little uh, kind of uh, metal objects on the bottom. Some say it was nails that actually dragged across the grain, the word holy is an interesting word in the Bible. The word holy in the Hebrew picture language means that which comes out of the threshing floor. Think about that for a second. The only way that you can be holy is for God to separate the wheat from the chaff. And if you haven't noticed, that's what he's doing in your life. These women are good pictures of this process of threshing. Sometimes threshing feels like thrashing. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Sometimes we feel like we're that grain and the nails are going over us and we're like, <laughs> and then the winnowing process is interesting because they go in there with something like a pitchfork on the top of the hill in the afternoon breezes. And they take the, what's been kind of uh, knocked around and they start throwing it up in the air. And the wind takes the lighter chaff away and the wheat falls back to the ground. This is the process of winnowing. And so this is what they would do. They would bring it in and then they begin to winnow it and they would begin to throw it up into the air. And I was talking to Dr. Green and he said he was at a uh, Messianic congregation recently and someone said, you know, the word for wind is ruach in Hebrew 
And the word translators say you can either translate ruach as wind or spirit based on the context. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Isn't it interesting that the, it's thrown up into the wind, which can also mean the spirit, and the spirit drives away all the garbage out of our lives. Can I get a witness? He separates the wheat from the chaff. He's in the process of sanctification. We are saved. We already have redemption, but God's not done with you yet. And sometimes he has to rake you and then winnow you. And some of you feel like you've got the nails dragged over you and you've been thrown up into the air and you're slamming back on the ground. And it's been hard. But that is the process by which God makes us holy. And all of this is set in the context of agriculture and harvesting and farming. For God is the Lord of the harvest. And if you want to experience the life of holiness, sometimes you have to be threshed. And it can be tough and winnowed. Interestingly enough, the scroll of Ruth is read in its entirety each year during the liturgy of the Feast of Weeks, which is what we know as Pentecost. The Hebrews call it Shavuot. 3,000 people came into the harvest that day as the Holy Spirit blew on the church. Think about it. Acts chapter 2, Jesus says, wait until you receive power from on high. And something like a, the sound of a rushing wind came into the room and something like tongues of fire appeared over the heads of the early church and they began to speak in other languages and they were proclaiming the glorious works of God Almighty and the Spirit blew on the church and 3,000 people through the preaching of, of Peter without even use of a megaphone came into the harvest. Are you with me? You see the imagery? The Bible has all these connections. All this is the work of the Spirit also, the word, uh, the name Ruth means friend. Uh, that's one of the things that you'll see when you look up Ruth's name, friend. And if you, uh, I haven't mentioned this much to you guys, but in Greek and Hebrew, you can have the idea of a chiasm. When you turn a word around, when you turn the word Ruth around, it spells Torah. Torah is our friend. Torah helps us hit the mark. Literally, the Torah was given, and, and Torah actually technically doesn't best translate as law. It's best translated as instruction. Now, we all fail to heed the instruction. The, the children of Israel, when they got the law at Mount Sinai, and the Jews believed that the law was given also at Pentecost, they said, everything he says we will do. Well, read the rest of your Bible. How did Israel do with that so-called promise that they made, not so good. And that's why the Redeemer came, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And the Torah, if you will, 
helps lead us and guide us in the right direction. It's our friend, if you will, if we will follow it. And of course, the law does become a schoolmaster even to drive us to Christ. Look at verse three. So Naomi continues to talk to Ruth and she says, I know where he's gonna be tonight, so here's what you gotta do. Wash yourself, verse three, therefore. Anoint yourself, get your perfume on, girl. That's a loose translation. Put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. And I will say this, and I don't think we have any young ones in the group here, but this is some mature content. Um, go down to the threshing floor, and, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Get dressed. Go down to where he is. Now, oftentimes, women who were widows would wear mourning garments. They would wear the garments of mourning. They would not put on cosmetics and so forth. And they would go through a period of mourning where they would show that they were a widow. So the essence of this is that Naomi may be saying to Ruth now, it's time to change your attire. It's time to exchange the garments of mourning for normal life, if you will. It's time for you to go back out there. And, you know, those, those decisions can be hard for a lot of people when we lose somebody, especially if you've lost a spouse. And then you try to figure out, you know, how long do I mourn and what should my mourning look like? And, and I'll just tell you this, there's no formula. But it was time for Ruth to get married again. It was time for her to move on. And she was going to exchange the ashes, if you will, for a mantle of praise, Isaiah 61, verse 3. Warren Wiersbe says, Christian living means that we take off the grave clothes of the old life and put on the grace clothes of the new life. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we walk in the victory that he has given us. We cleanse ourselves. Of course, the cleansing comes from him first, but 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 2 Timothy 2, 21 says, therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. In Psalm 51, David prayed, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin." There are images here that tie to redemption. And even though she's getting ready, in essence, for a date night, this is tying to the idea of redemption. She's going to go to this kinsman redeemer, and she's going to ask him to marry her, which might seem a bit aggressive. It was definitely bold. It was risky. But she had to do this, and I'll explain why, because there was another nearer kinsman who was kind of waiting in the wings. And what happened was when Ruth made this bold approach, kind of sped up the process. This other kinsman redeemer now would have to decide whether or not he was going to redeem her or not. And so all of this is coming to the threshing floor, that great image that we've seen that connects many of these beautiful things. She goes on, she says, it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. They would often sleep at the threshing floor to guard their crops and their grain. And because of the working hours, they would winnow at night and they would wake up early in the morning. So they just kind of, they would have a little bit of dinner and some celebration and then they would just stay there. She says, notice where he lies and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down 
and then he will tell you what you shall do. So let me get this straight. Let's put this in modern vernacular. Imagine that your mother-in-law tells you, follow him home. <laughs> Try to find an open door or window. <laughs> Go where he's sleeping and remove the blanket from his feet. How's that sound? Oh, wonderful. That's, that's a great plan. That's how you get arrested for stalking. <laughs> what, what exactly is this plan? And by the way, I don't know about you, but I have issues when people try to take the blanket off my feet. <laughs> how many of you are blanket snobs? Go ahead and just confess it. It's all right. It's good for the soul. Sometimes there's a battle at night for blanket supremacy <laughs> with not only the spouse, but with animals as well. <laughs> they come in. How many of you remember? Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> uh, I was going to quote a movie line, but never mind. <laughs> Uncover his feet. You say, well, what, what in the world? What do you mean uncover his feet? Well, it's interesting, in the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 7, take a look for a second. It's now, it says, now this was the custom in former times in Israel, 4-7, concerning the redemption and exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. And so the closest relative, relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. This was a custom back in the day. You know, you can read some commentaries on this and, and they'll, they'll try to imply that there was some, maybe uh, uh, she was trying to seduce him and so forth. That's not what's going on here. The, these are noble people who follow Torah. There is nothing wrong about this scene, but it is the cultural norm to do this kind of thing. And so she's told, this is what you're going to do. It's a symbolic gesture in the culture inviting Boaz to take her as a wife. She had put herself at his feet. Remember when he was first kind to her in chapter uh, 2, she bowed at his feet. I think of Mary in Luke 10 who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word. It's a symbol of, I will submit to you as a wife. Just let me know if you would like me as your wife. And so she said, Chapter 3, verse 5, all that you say, I will do. Sounds reminiscent of what the people said at Sinai. All that he has said, we will do. And so she went down, verse 6, chapter 3, to the threshing floor. I'm sure she had, a little, had to have a little nervous anticipation as she went down. And did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry... Remember, the time of festival was a time of rejoicing. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Now, the uncovering of the feet on a, probably a cold spring night also would probably get his attention. All of a sudden, you notice you don't have all of your blankie. That troubles me at night. I, I like to be covered. <laughs> I'm just that, I, I just find comfort in that. I don't know. I have a blanket from when I was two. I still have it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I really don't. Anyway. <laughs> oh, 
That was just for the video, folks. Anyway. Yeah. And it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled. And so you can imagine. And, and remember, he likes her. So, you know, he, he, they've had a, a big work day and they've had a, a nice dinner and they've, you know, enjoyed the time of the festival. And all of a sudden he sleeps, but he noticed his feet are a little cold. <laughs> and so in the middle of the night, the man, he was startled and he bent forward probably to fix his blankie. And behold... A woman was lying at his feet. Now, you could imagine that, you know, I'm sure startled is a pretty good word, right? But I would imagine also that this woman, Ruth, has been on his mind and heart probably every day. Because we all know that when we first have the prospects of a relationship and it's new and exciting, all you can think about is that person. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. This is Living Truth Radio, sitting here again with Andy Chapel, And we're talking about the book of Ruth. We happen to be in chapter three. And we did a message called Harvesting Rest. And as we look at what happens now in this little gem of drama in the Old Testament, it is, Andy, about love. It's about a relationship. It it's actually about, you know, Naomi, mother-in-law, doing the old matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. And, and she is going to instruct Ruth what to do to go out to the threshing floor and really to say, hey, I'm available. Uh, I would like to marry you kind of thing. And relationships are an interesting thing. Now, my wife and I have been married 27 years. Today, as our uh, board operator, since you're sitting in for Oscar, is the beautiful and talented Aubrey Chapel. Just wave at, the, oh, they can't see you, Aubrey. But anyway, she's back there. <laughs> you guys have been married for how long? Two years. All right, so you're two years, we're 27 years. So even though that's a big a difference in time span, um, the, the dynamics of a relationship in terms of meeting somebody and you were talking about sweaty palms and, the, and just... <laughs> The pressure of not knowing what's going to happen. You know, everybody out there, you know, you know, can relate, I think, to this. Some thoughts about the, I guess, the tension maybe that's there? Oh, man, I just, I think of when I first even just told that Aubrey that I liked her, I, I planned it around, we were both in college, and I planned it around a class. So just in case she said she didn't like me, I had an out. I can get out of that situation. But... I just, I knew it wasn't going to go that way, but I was so nervous. I was so like in love that I, I didn't want it to go bad. Now she is from Riverside and you're from Greece, New York. Yes. So, you know, she had to overcome your funny accent that you're sharing with the listening audience. Right oh, now. So that was a major thing. So you had to have a little bit of doubt. In your mind, did you? <laughs> uh, well, you know, she started out our relationship apparently not liking me. So... Uh. So you grew on her. Is what I you're did. Saying. I wear okay. people down. <laughs> now, <laughs> Andy, we won't expose you on, on radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.